Welcome to Church in the Mall. Welcome home. Today we continue our discussion in the book of Acts of Paul's third missionary journey. And as you well know, a number of stops along that journey. We want to pick up today with chapter 21, the prophet Agabus, who was a Christ follower who many believe actually knew Paul, has come to Paul and he's, he's begging him, he's pleading with him, and he's saying, don't go to Jerusalem. You're going to be bound over by the Jews. Don't go. Now, now Paul, in sort of a, almost a defiant attitude, no big deal. May the Lord's will be done. I'm going. He goes on towards Jerusalem. As was predicted, he is attacked by the, his Jewish enemies. They, they charge him with issues on preaching. They charge him with, they're afraid of the success that he's had. And as we well know, ultimately, he ends up in Rome as a prisoner. Now, on a plus side, Paul's ministry is very fruitful. He gets the opportunity to, to preach and to share before some great men. He testifies with great power. He's unashamed of the gospel, and he preaches through the Holy Spirit. And actually, during this time, Paul wrote some of the greatest epistles in the New Testament. I can't begin to tell you how, how, how much I admire Paul. Knowing what he was walking into... I remember a number of years ago when I, when I worked for the state of Ohio, I had the displeasure on occasions of going to appear before a body of, a body of people and giving and delivering to them some, some bad news. Basically, it was financial news that was bad. I think of one instance where I went and I was greeted by three plainclothesmen and, and I was handed a piece of scotch tape and said, put this over, put this over your dash, excuse me, not your dash, but your hood. Where, where it breaks with, the, breaks with your uh, side. And he, when you come out, you make sure this tape has not been broken, which would indicate that somebody's gotten under your hood to do something, like put a bomb or something. And I remember one instance I was speaking to a group with a similar circumstance, and all of a sudden these two guys rush up and they grab me and pull me off the stage and rush me out of the room. There was a bomb scare. For me, that was enough. But the Apostle Paul basically encountered this and dealt with it every time he spoke, everywhere that he went. But he always gave the good news, no matter what. He never wavered. He never backed down. Now today I want to look specifically at Paul's encounter with King Agrippa. Paul's been arrested at this point in time. He's been put on trial before Felix, who is the governor of Judea, Samaria. He's been arrested as a troublemaker. He's accused of being a, a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. He comes before Felix, but then gets passed on to the ruler that replaces Felix by the name of Festus. I've got to confess to you, I've never heard the name Festus except as being a part of the Adams family, but I don't think this is the same guy. But Festus takes over for Felix. Quite honestly, Festus is unsure what to do with this guy named Paul. He knows that the Jews are still unhappy, so he offers Paul a solution. And he says to Paul, are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial? Paul's response, I've done nothing wrong to the Jews. I've done nothing wrong to their temple. I have done nothing wrong to Caesar. But as a Roman citizen, I appeal to Caesar. Which was sort of what Festus wanted because he says, you have appealed to Caesar that releases you from me to Caesar, you will go. Now, about that time, King Agrippa comes on the scene. 
Now he is the ruler over the adjoining kingdom to the kingdom that Festus has. And he is coming actually with his wife to, to just basically congratulate Festus and say, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Festus says, well, well I've got this situation. I've got this guy named Paul. I don't know what to do with him. The Jews want him killed. They want him done away with. But I can't find that he's done anything wrong. He's agreed to go to appear before Caesar, but I don't know what to write to Caesar and say that he's done to bring him before Caesar. Can you help me? Agrippa says, before I do anything, before I help you, I'd like, I'd like to hear him myself. So the scene shifts, and with great pomp and circumstance, the Apostle Paul appears before King Agrippa. And immediately, Paul begins to butter him up. He says, I am fortunate to stand before you, King Agrippa. I am fortunate for that you have given me the opportunity to share my faith. You obviously are familiar with Jewish customs. You are familiar with the controversies that surround me. Please listen carefully. And then Paul goes into what I choose to refer to as his personal testimony. He begins by sharing with the king, the, Joe, the Jews knew me. They know me very well. They know that I was a Jew of Jews. In fact, I was a Pharisee. They know that I opposed the name of Jesus. They know that I helped put saints in prison. They know that I punished Christians' followers, even to the point of death. They know that I tried to force them to blaspheme their God. But then a strange thing happened to me on the way to Damascus. And I'd like to read that particular part of chapter 26, where, where God is speaking to him, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When you kick against, when you kick against the cattle prod, you're only hurting yourself. I asked, Lord, who are you? And the Lord answered, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Get up now and stand upright on your feet. I have appeared to you for a reason. I am appointing you to serve me. You are to tell my story and how you have now seen me and you have continued to tell, tell that story well into the future. I will rescue you from your Jewish opponents and from the outsiders, for it is the outsiders that I am sending you to. You see, King Agrippa, what Paul is saying is, I used to be the baddest of bad when it comes to being a Jew. And then I had this encounter with God through Jesus Christ. And since then, I have become a strong proponent of serving Jesus Christ, of doing everything I can to proclaim him to others, to show others that he is actually the truth, the life, and the way. Agrippa comes to him and then says, you've almost persuaded me. Do you think you could persuade me to be this Christian? Paul says, well, whether it's a short term or a long term, I am trying to persuade you. I am trying to persuade all who are around you that you might come to know what I have come to know. King Agrippa goes back to Festus and says, nothing that the Apostle Paul has said or done is deserving of death or imprisonment. In fact, the truth of the matter is, Paul could be set free ah, had he not appealed to Caesar. And as we know, the rest of the story, Paul ultimately does end up in Rome.
As I think about this passage of scripture today, there are a couple applications that I'd like to share in terms of what this means to us some 2,000 years later. For sure, Paul's testimony that I just shared with you out of that 26th chapter, and I would like to encourage you to read the whole thing. I just read a portion of it. But Paul's testimony is unwavering. No matter what, he was willing and continued to proclaim Christ. He had a before experience, and he was a horrible person. Then he had an encounter with God through Jesus Christ. And afterwards, he became one of God's strongest proponents of what it meant to have the relationship with Christ. He spoke to all. He had done no wrong. He was falsely accused. What does this say to us today? What does his testimony say to us? I, I believe it says a couple things that are important. And the first one, I'm, I'm going to say it just flat out. Paul was nasty. Paul was, was a guy that, quite, quite honestly, you could categorize him as a sinner amongst sinners. But as bad as Paul was, God's grace was sufficient. God's grace was sufficient that, that even though he had done all these things, God was willing to forgive him and then turn his life into something positive. Every once in a while, somebody will say to me, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I've been. Well, let me speak about myself. There are any number of things I have done that would disqualify me, at least from a human perspective, from my understanding. But then when I think about what God did with Paul, I am reminded about Paul. I'm reminded about myself. There is nothing that God cannot forgive if we are willing to seek his forgiveness. And so for any of you who might be out there today saying, you don't understand or, or you don't know what I've done, it doesn't matter. God's grace is sufficient. And so that's what, that's what his testimony reminds me of this morning, that God's grace is sufficient for all. The second thing, and, and this is for all of us, particularly those of us who already have a personal relationship with Christ. I think it's safe to say that we live in a day of uncertainty, we live in a day of unknowns, uh, constant changes, questions about what's true, what's not true. Of course, we're dealing with the COVID-19 issue. We're dealing with, I'll just refer to it as a political mess. We've got social unrest going on. We've got conflicts. We've got issues. We've got all kinds of questions about all kinds of things. What I want you to hear this morning that comes out of the testimony of the Apostle Paul is that no matter what happens, God's grace is sufficient. And as we move forward, even today, we can move forward with the confidence that God has us. That God's grace is sufficient, but that God is also going to make a way he's going to provide. You know, I, I couldn't help but think as I looked at the picture behind me, the bridge sort of goes who knows where. But what I do know is that God's grace is sufficient to take us across that bridge to wherever we need to go. And because of that, in the midst of all the darkness that we face today, as people know us as believers, they are watching to see what we're doing. And what, it, what is important for us to be able to do is not demonstrate fear in this time of unknown, but rather to demonstrate hope. We may not have all the answers. We may not have any of the answers. But we can know that God has things under control. 
Someone once said to me, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And all I mean by that is we can be living, living testimonies to the fact that, that, yes, things are difficult. Yes, things seem at times hopeless. But in a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is always hope. We can always know that in the midst of everything, God will be with us. God will guide us and direct us. And so we can, we can help disseminate the fear that is out there today by just simply saying, I am a Christ follower. I am concerned about what's going on, but the hope I have is found in Christ. And he has always made a way and he will continue to make a way. And that's my hope and prayer for each of us today. Now, as we move into communion for this morning, I want to remind you that on the night that Christ was betrayed, it says that he took bread, and the bread that he took, he broke, and he said to each of them, this body, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, and he said, this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for each of you. And as you partake of it, be reminded that it is my body, my blood, my sacrifice for you. And when I think about the Apostle Paul and that God's grace was sufficient for him, I promise you God's grace is sufficient for each of us. And so as you partake this morning, just be reminded Christ's body broken for us, Christ's blood shed for us. Eat, drink, eat all of it. May you have a great week. May you recognize that in the midst of the struggles that we're encountering at many, many different levels, we have hope. We do not need to be afraid. God loves us, has provided a way, and calls for us to follow him. Amen.